The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. A bell chiming in the wind may be a beautiful reminder to be kind, especially if it's a Ben's bell. After Jeanette Murray's three-year-old son, Ben, died suddenly in 2002, the kindness of others helped her heal. Jeanette, along with thousands of volunteers, are extending that same kindness to others who are grieving by hand-making and hanging ceramic bells to encourage kindness and remind people they are not alone. So, Jeanette, Ben's Bells started as a coping strategy in your life. Can you share with us a little bit about your son, Ben? Absolutely. Um, Ben is my second son. I have two sons. My first son is Matt. And Ben was born on Matt's third birthday, which was really (laughs) special. Um, And, you know, he was this bright, hilarious, um, you know, little kid who was really good at doing impressions. Uh, He was really good at mimicking people. Um, And two months before his third birthday, uh, he had a cold and I wasn't worried about him at all. Um, and that cold, uh, ended up being croup and caused his airway to close and he died very suddenly. Um, and so my family was thrown into this just tremendous grief experience that I don't think anyone is really prepared for. Uh, we certainly were not. And I honestly didn't know what to do with the amount of pain and sadness that I was feeling. Uh, but fortunately for me, we were surrounded by people who just came in and, you know, figured out what to do and just offered kindness after kindness to my family. Um, And I very quickly realized that that kindness uh, that was coming in so many different forms and from so many different people um, was just tremendously powerful. And I started to really see that, you know, that we, we really don't honor kindness to, uh, to the, the heights that I think it should be, you know, lifted and honored. Mm -hmm. Um, I think oftentimes we think kindness is sort of fluffy and soft and maybe something to worry about after the real problems are solved. But in my experience, the kindness was, um, was absolutely holding me and my family as we, as we felt these really difficult feelings that we needed to feel. And so, um, I started, you know, thinking about kindness a lot and including with strangers, you know, strangers would do the kind things for me, like hold open doors and smile and say good morning and all of these things that I think we may take for granted in life. Um, but of course they were doing these, these kindnesses without knowing what was going on with me because you, you can't tell by looking at people what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started, you know, wondering if people knew, like if this stranger who just held open the door for me knew what I was dealing with and knew how much, their choice to be kind to me um, changed me, how much it affected me, you know, that I think that they would, I think they would feel sort of empowered to do more kindness. I think all of us love the idea of, of being, you know, helpful and being able to contribute and being, um, you know, a, sort of a, a force for good in the world. Uh, and I think that people don't really soak in how much, how much of that is going on around us. Um, and so Ben's Bells is sort of a, a tribute to the kindness that was offered to us, 
Um, it's an honoring of Ben and his um, short but very bright life. And, and also, you know, sort of a shining light on kindness and, and in hopes that we, we could talk about it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Although at the time we started Ben's Bells, we had no idea what it would, would turn into. Um, but we started, we started making these bells, which are uh, with their wind chimes. And they, they're made of ceramics, they're made of clay, and they're brightly colored, and they're just beautiful. And at the bottom hangs uh, a rusty, you know, metal bell. And we started making these in my backyard, in my garage, with friends and family. And we found that the process of sitting with the clay, um, doing art that didn't require, you know, fine artistic talent, um, gathering together, just talking with each other was really cathartic. And the coming together like that was was very, very important to me in my in my process and with and my family as well. And my friends, my friends and who and family who you know, we're, we're constantly wanting to help us and didn't know quite what to do. That mm-hmm. coming together was, was incredibly powerful. And then on the first anniversary of Ben's death, we hung 400 of these Ben's bells around the community Wow! with a tag that said, you have found a Ben's bell, take it home and remember to spread kindness. And that's sort of where it all started because we were just, that was going to be maybe just it for us. Um, we were just going to do this hanging of the bells and then go on with our lives. But what we found was that everyone who found a bell had a story of their own about why the message of kindness, uh, why the message of connection, you know, why the message of we're in this together was important to them. And now you have four studios in the United States. Is that right? Two in Tucson? One in Phoenix. Okay. mm -hmm, And one in Connecticut. Okay. So people can actually come in, they can make these pieces, and they can, you know, do their own sort of therapy with that and, and heal themselves if they feel that they need to. Do they ever share what they're getting out of it when when they're making these? Are there stories that come from that that you've heard? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we always say that by the time one Ben's Bell is done, at least 10 different people have worked on it. And that's part of the reason this work is so special. It's very much a community effort. And we hear regularly, and uh, and you can also on our website, uh, bensbells.org, read stories about people who have found bells and, and even from some people who make them. But we regularly hear about um, what the the act of sort of getting your hands in the clay, the act of doing the art piece means to people, um, you know, from everything from just gathering with some friends and having a really, you know, amazing time just being together to, you know, families bringing their families coming to the studio because they're grieving a major loss and they want to be somewhere that that acknowledges that um, that sadness is a part of being a human that acknowledges that. Uh, perhaps that death is a part of being a human um, and a place where they know they can feel um, welcome uh, with their sadness or their stress or whatever they're bringing um, and that they can and sit and contribute to something that benefits the entire community. It becomes a safe place to, to come and grieve, I would think, in a way that is also a little bit private because you don't have to look somebody in the eye and tell them how you're feeling about stuff. You can, you can sit there and paint or, or work on it. Absolutely. And people do that. You know, we people are in there with all kinds of different stuff going on and they're not necessarily coming in and saying to us, 
you know, we're here because we've gone through this really hard thing, but we have, you know, we have people who come in and sort of like to sit um, alone and maybe they have their, you know, earbuds in listening to music or whatever, and they just sit and paint and, uh, you know, they'll tell us that they just love how relaxing it is. You know, we have people who have mandated community service hours that may, may come in and, you know, maybe there's a young person who's sort of, you know, a little bit cynical about having to do this or whatever. And, you know, one of our favorite things is trying to sort of win them over with this mm-hmm. idea of, of kindness as a practice and this idea that we're in it together and that struggle is okay and um, that we can support each other in struggle. And that when we do that, we really make these very strong bonds. Um, so people are coming in for all different reasons. Uh, and we, we talk about it regularly as a staff about how, um, how honored we feel to get to be with people um, in this way because we, we get to come to work every single day and really know that the work we do is having is it's really meaningful and that it touches people in different ways and hopefully uh, inspires them to sort of carry that into their lives in, in at their workplace with their family in their neighborhood uh, wherever. Does it still have the same therapeutic effect because, you know, my mama heart grieves for you because I don't know, I'm sure you never get over the loss of a child. So do you find that it, that it still is some sort of therapy for you or, or where, or does it keep your mind busy or where are you with that now? Well, it's been, it's been 16 years since Ben died and, um, I have a, um, you don't get over it. And that's, that's absolutely true. I, I, I struggle a little bit with some of the language people use around grief, you know, because it feel like when you say you never get over, it means that you'll always be that sad and not know what to do. And that's absolutely not where I am. I'm in a, a really, um, sort of joyful place in my life where I, I have learned how to, um, experience my emotions, mm-hmm. but, uh, bad emotions and good emotions. And I've really learned that it's the resistance of sadness and the resistance of some of these maybe uh, more uncomfortable uh, emotions that we have that causes suffering. And so through this work, um, you know, the heart of the work we do is, is what we call kindness education. And we do that in workplaces and schools and all throughout the community. And the skill set that I've been developing through these, through this work and through these practices, um, I feel, I feel it every single day helping me, um, be sort of calm and be able to sort of go with the flow of what's coming in my life and, um, experience, uh, my sadness around Ben when it comes up, experience my gratitude around him when that comes up, which is often, um, and, and really connect with people who are also struggling and, and, and hopefully give hope to people who are struggling because, um, we, we can thrive and have joy. Um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate the be kind frame because kindness, being kind to ourselves and each other doesn't, doesn't depend on a mood, right? So we don't have to be happy or cheerful or have a perfect life in order to be kind. Um, and so while I, while I struggled when people would sort of tap me on the shoulder after Ben died and say, you know, be positive, you know, I was like, you know, I didn't really know how to do that. How can I just mm-hmm. be positive when I'm experiencing this? Right. Be, be kind felt, felt accessible. And the more I did that, the more I was intentionally, you know, practice kindness uh, for my to myself, which is difficult for us as humans, um, and and to other people, the more uh, those connections with people intensified, and that's where joy comes from. So, 
So I often, you know, say before Ben died and I, I'll hold my hands sort of a foot apart. And I'll say this was sort of my continuum, you know, from sadness to joy like this. And then since Ben died, you know, I'll open my hands really, really wide and my continuum is so much wider. So I've experienced more sadness than I ever could have imagined. But I've also experienced a different level of joy from this experience because it has allowed me to connect with people in a really uh, powerful, authentic way. And that's really where the good stuff comes. And I almost hear you telling me that I guess giving permission for joy and pain to coexist, because I think sometimes we feel like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be grieving something right now. I can't possibly be joyful. But but you're saying they they can coexist and they do coexist. And it's beautiful when they do. Absolutely. 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 That's exactly what I'm saying. And there's this there's this thing. So my previous life, I was a linguist. I taught linguistics at the university. And so I'm really fascinated with the whole you know, what people say to people when they're grieving. Mm -hmm. And we're really not so good at that. And uh, (laughs) one of my my little soapboxes is because these are kind of skills and it's not rocket science. We actually can have conversations about what's okay to say and what's not okay to say and why we can understand that and then we can do better. Um, But one of the things that I noticed in myself and that I notice again and again in grieving people who I meet, and I meet a lot of grieving people, um, is that the more people sort of discount the sadness or try to minimize it or try to put a silver lining around it, the more the grieving person, and I'll speak for myself, the more I would dig my heels in on my grief and sort of have to protect my grief from people. Uh So I actually dig my heels in and say, and actually like, like argue for my grief almost. Mm -hmm. Whereas when somebody would just let me be sad and they would sit and listen to me or they would say, you know, tell me a story about Ben. And I would sit and cry and tell them a story about Ben. They wouldn't tell me I should, you know, oh, well, be grateful you have another son or at least he, you know, people said at least you can still have another baby and all of these, you know, at least things. Um, just a side note, nobody should ever start a sentence with the words at least. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, if people would just let me like, be with me while I felt the sadness, mm-hmm. then I was much more likely to then laugh with them and be happy with them because I trusted them with my heart, right? Whether it was feeling sad or whether it was feeling hopeful. And so the, I think the more we can just be with each other where we are, the more we don't have to hang on to that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I could call that victimhood. I don't know, but we are much less likely to feel victim to our pain and our circumstances if we're allowed to actually feel, feel that sadness. So as a takeaway tool for people who are listening, who ha- because everyone runs into people who are grieving or we are the ones who are grieving uh, at some time or another, when we come across a friend and we just don't know what to say because we can't even fathom the amount of pain they must be feeling in that moment, right. what do we do or what do we say? What's the takeaway tool for that? Um, I think the sort of quick answer would be just remember that your role with your friend is not to fix them. You absolutely do not need to fix them and you can't fix them. And it's not even to cheer them up. Your role with them is to make them feel loved and make them feel supported so that they feel safe 
you know, sort of letting down with you, mm -hmm. um, being sad with you. So when we're in fixer mode, we're going to say things like at least this and uh, you should do this and this and that, you know. But when we're in support mode, we're going to have a much stronger humility with with the sadness. And we're not going to be the expert trying to tell our friend who is actually the expert in their own grief, tell them how things should be. Instead, we're going to say things like, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say, but I know I love you and I'm going to sit here and if that's okay with you and listen, or I'm going to check in with you um, and I'm going to offer specific um, ways to help and you tell me yes or no if those sound good, you know, and, and, you, and you're going to be humble to their grief and you're going to be courageous enough to be in it and you're going to listen a lot and you're going to keep on doing that for a long time. You just filled up our kindness toolbox with a lot of great suggestions and great words oh, and ideas. You. Yeah, thank you. We'll get back to that interview in a moment. Today's Kindness Call is sponsored by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Hi, this is Sarah Cashin calling. We're calling from Evansville, Wisconsin. And I have Hannah, Finley, and Charlie with me. And we wanted to tell you our kindness story. So first, I'm going to start with Charlie. He's my nephew, and he's four years old. And here's, here's his kindness story. I always be kind to my brother. And Charlie, what are your brother's names? Henry and Nathan. Henry and Nathan. And how old are Henry and Nathan? Two. They're, they're twin brothers, and they're two. And what's an example of being kind to them? Being good. Being good. Does that mean you share your food with them? Yes. And your toys? Yes. And that you don't hit them yeah. or uh, <laughs> run away really fast away from them so they can't catch you. Yeah. yeah. And you teach them things because you're the good big brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And next we have Finley. Finley is six years old. She's almost seven next week. And she's in first grade. And Finley, what's your kindness story? My kindness story is that I told Nikolai I like his shirt. You told Nikolai you like his shirt. And who is Nikolai? Nikolai is a boy in my class. In your class. And what kind of shirt did he have on? He had like a movie shirt. That's awesome. And that's being kind with your words. And do you look for a kindness story every day at school? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you look for ways to be kind at school? Is it because your mom bribed you with candy? Yes. Yes. All right. And then we have Tiana. Hannah's eight years old, and she's in second grade. Hannah, what are, what's the kindness story that you have? We went, we got donuts and brought them to the people who work at the Kelly House. And the people that work at the Kelly House, and what is the Kelly House? Is it a place where senior citizens live, and they have a nursing staff that take care of the people that can't take care of themselves? Yeah. Yeah. And why were you bringing donuts to them? Did they know they were coming? No. No, we were surprising them with an act of kindness. What kind of donuts did you get? Chocolate. Chocolate. And did you have one before we dropped them off? Yeah. And was that really fun? Yeah. Yeah. So those are our kindness stories from three kids in Evansville, Wisconsin. Bye. 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 Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. You mentioned that you have a studio in Connecticut. It's in Newtown, Connecticut. How did you get connected with that community? 
You know, whenever we are asked about the growth of Ben's Bells, I always use the word organic because we really sort of kind of go as the people guide this work. And um, you may know that we had in Tucson had a really tragic uh, shooting um, when our Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords was shot and then um, other citizens of Tucson were also shot and murdered that day. And that's when the Tucson community, I think, really, even though Ben's Bells was well-established by then. I think that's when our community really understood the depth of this work and the importance of this work in a different way. Mm-hmm. And we had just a tremendous uh, growth after after that happened in Tucson. And people really were using Ben's Bells as a resource for, you know, something to do with their grief, a way to express it, a way to communi- uh, contribute to the community. And so just two years later, when the shooting at Sandy Hook happened, um, we had people from that community reach out to us and, you know, tell us that they they needed it. They needed an outlet. They needed some messaging of hope and support. And while it's not our mission to respond to tragedy, because, of course, we, we wouldn't be able to keep up with that, um, there was a certain amount of synergy between what was happening in our own community um, and what, you know, what had happened in, in Newtown. And our own community in Tucson was so raw from our own experience that we, and people were really, really wanting to help Newtown badly. And so what we did was we, we gathered in Tucson and we made uh, over a thousand Ben's Bells. And then we sort of quietly went over there and just worked with the people who had contacted us and we met them in a park and we, we hung a thousand Ben's Bells around Newtown which is a lot of bells for us, an area that small. Um, And then we just left. And what happened was, you know, sort of like in Tucson, um, the people who had found bells had stories about why that messaging, that uh, sort of the love contained in that that bell um, was really powerful to them. And so then the community said, we need to put our hands in the clay. So I actually flew out there alone and trained uh, like a hundred people, how to make Ben's bells, <clears throat> and they continued to make them on their own. And then we were just going to let you know, just do that, please, just do that. And then, um, and then they wanted to get more serious about it, so we ended up talking about opening a place out there, which we did. That's awesome, awesome. And I know um, um, Maddie, our kindness podcast intern, is from Newtown, and she was a high schooler when that shooting happened. And one of the things that Maddie has, has talked to me about when we've talked about that, that incident is how afterwards the town was filled with these bells and how what that meant to her as a young person in that community and how it changed the face of the community and the kind of the, the synergy of the community Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's really it's it's very yeah. special, and so that's well, that's what we're grateful about the bells is we can, is we can go in and hang them and sort of get out without intruding on people's lives. And we don't think you know it's not like oh you know here we come to save the day with these bells, but we do appreciate um, like Maddie Maddie expressed the the power of that show of love and that show of support and that you know that symbolism of we're all in this together and we're here. And the fact that you can, you know, you can come across a bell, it's not going to get in your business, you know, so, mm-hmm. so anybody who wanted privacy, you know, the bells would not be uh, disruptive to them. So that, that's sort of what's cool about, about but the bells just being able to be you know, distributed in this random way. Um, and I just really love that sort of story that Maddie shared about what they, what they meant and what they symbolized. 
Yeah, kindness is so powerful. Before I let you go, Jeanette, do you have a favorite kindness story that you want to share with us? Um, one, when you said that, one popped straight into my head. So I'm just going to tell you that one. We, one of the things we do is we honor people for their kindness. So you, there's only two ways to get a Ben's Bell. You either can find one because we hang them regularly around the community and we've hung out uh, over 60,000 of them now. Um, or you can be belled. And that's something we do in communities where we have studios where people nominate somebody for their kindness. And we go and surprise them with a Ben's Bell and we make a fuss of them and um, celebrate their kindness. And we, we bell all kinds of people. We get amazing nominations. But we got this one for um, a man named Albert and he is a custodian at a local elementary school. And a teacher nominated him and wrote in and it was just a beautiful nomination and our committee chose it. So I went out to do this belling and I went out and they, um, they just, they, they rallied the school. So they, they were going to have an assembly. And so here's Mr. Albert, um, setting up for this assembly, which they've told him is a love, love of reading assembly. So I get there and I get to go on stage and sort of, you know, break the news that the whole assembly is about him. Yeah. I get to talk about his kindness and invite him on stage and give him this Ben's bell. And then the, every single classroom at that school had prepared a skit to honor Mr. Albert. Um, and they got up one after another and just, did these skits about how powerful this man is in their lives. I'm starting, I'm tearing up just a little time. I'm tearing up listening. This is so cool. One of of the stories they told me, and I know I'm going long, but let me quickly tell you this, um, was that one little boy came to school and he was wearing a pink shirt. And some of the other uh, kids teased him for wearing a pink shirt. So the next day, Mr. Albert, who was a, a physically large man, tall man, um, showed up wearing pink shoes, pink pants, pink shirt, and pink hat. And he didn't say anything. He just showed up wearing pink, all pink. And that changed everything for that kid and that entire community to the point where the the kids, boys included, just started wearing pink. Like it became a thing. (laughs) Yeah. So one of these classrooms did a thing about, you know, wearing pink. One of these classrooms did a rap where they danced with toilet uh, clean, uh, toilet scrubber thingies. And, you know, just like all of these ways to say to this man, you are a powerful leader in our community. Your kindness affects every single one of us. And we want to hold you up as, you know, this hero. Uh, and it was so beautiful. Um, and it just, it just perfectly illustrates that it's how we do things in, our, in the world, you know, so much more than what we're doing, you know, what our title is, what, it, what our you know, ego tells us is important. It's how we do it, how we connect with people, you know, that really, really matters. Jeanette, thank you for talking with us. Thank you for the work you do. And thanks for, for sharing Ben with us this morning. Oh, I so appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being interested. That was a conversation with Jeanette Murray. Find Ben's Bells on social media and learn more about the project at bensbells.org. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Madeline Peck. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the NPR One app. And find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section. 